0: I'm sorry, I'm going to get in trouble with staff if I don't do this the right way. Jennifer Jacob Bloomberg. I'm going to get in trouble with my, pre- my staff. Yeah, go ahead. I pre- pretend that you didn't answer you. Thank you very much, sir. You have often said uh, repeatedly that America
5: is back. Yes. Uh, at the same time, you've kept in place some Trump era steel and aluminum sanctions. And I wanted to ask you when you're having these conversations with European allies, who are very concerned about these sanctions, how do you justify that? And what are your plans?
0: 120 days. Give me a break. Need time.
1: 120 days. Give me a break. Uh, Yeah, but America's back. Just ask the uh, New York Times and Nancy Pelosi. We played that clip yesterday. Uh, The world now respects us. Uh, Problem is, that's not exactly what's happening at the G7 or what happened at the G7, which is over now. Uh, So many pictures and so many clips of Joe Biden making mistakes, forgetting things, interrupting. Uh, That clip you just heard is him, you know, again, looking at his list of reporters that his staff gave him that he's supposed to call on. Uh, When has a president ever done that? Uh, they don't. They get acquainted with the reporters and they call on the people. They are the president, after all. They call on the people they want to call on. They're not told by their staff, and they don't get in trouble with their staff if they don't call on the reporters that they told them to call on. But that's what he did. He also made a big mistake uh, in correcting Boris Johnson on recognizing the South African president and the people at the table laughed. But, hey, don't forget, America is back. And there were a lot more things, too, that I could uh, I could bore you with. But let me just say the President of the United States is not, uh, trust me, garnishing any kind of respect or confidence in America. America is really on the back burner, just like it was under Barack Obama. Uh, and I guess the left is very happy about that. I Certainly the European uh, leaders are happy about Biden being there because he's, he's doing everything they want him to do. Everything. Uh, it isn't good for America, but it's good for them. And they're really glad he's back, like letting Russia run a pipeline through Germany. Uh, meanwhile, shutting down our uh, our pipelines and making gas prices uh, skyrocket. Hey, but that's okay. It's uh, you know we don't deserve. America has been so privileged that we should suffer. And uh, so, um, so the Europeans, while laughing at him, are embracing him. And I want to uh, point out something else. This is pretty amazing, because I got an article this morning. Where is it? Oh yeah, here it is. Um, it, so Joe Biden and the G seven leaders. I would uh, you know we should post this i got to figure out what the outlet is, and I, I'm not quite sure because it's not labeled here. Uh, but they go to the summit, and you see this picture. You know, they take all these especi- uh, uh, posed pictures. You see their uh, picture where they're, they're sitting. <laughs> all of them are sitting six feet apart. The queen is right in the middle, and then there's Boris Johnson, and then there's uh, Macron from France, and on all of them, the, the names that you know. Uh, P- uh, Trudeau from Canada. And they're all six feet apart, uh, you know, very happily posing. And then in the next photo, it shows they're watching some display up in the sky, probably airplanes or some such things or balloons, I'm not sure what. And they are right next to each other laughing. I mean, shoulder to shoulder. And then you see in the next frame, for a photo op, you see uh, Boris Johnson uh, with a mask, uh, fist bumping, or elbow bumping, actually Trudeau of Canada, with his elbow. Uh, And then you see another one of uh, him doing the same thing with the president of France, Macron. But then you see in the next frame, when the cameras are not supposed to be catching it, this private meeting, you've got Macron and Biden like face to face, like really close for men, and they are touching each other's chests as they're talking. That's how close they are. And then you see another one with them with their arms around each other, walking together very closely. And then you see one of the Queen right up close and personal with Joe Biden and uh, Mrs. Biden without a mask. In fact, none of them, and with. Trudeau right behind her with no mask. That's what they're really doing. So, I, you know, when you second-guess yourself or maybe second-guess people like me who've been telling you there's something rotten in Denmark about we're being, what we're being told about COVID, uh, many people have gotten the memo, but lots of them haven't, then think about that. Think about that. We'll try to find that article and post it for you so that you can share those pictures. It's a it's a big game, and you can see it there in living color. It's not just an extrapolation or a you know a guess or a, a, an attribution because I don't like the leaders of something. It is actually what they're doing. They are posing for photographers, acting as though they're concerned about COVID when they're not concerned at all about COVID. Not masking, not social distancing, nothing. Uh, for them personally, as the leaders of the world, it's different, you see. But the rest of you, not so much. And so um, I, I want to point out to you uh, today, actually, I'm going to talk about the latest news on COVID. We're going to spend quite a bit of time about, on it, but I want to give you just two headlines. Uh, one of them is that uh, small businesses in America have been decimated by the shutdowns. 37.5% of small businesses in the United States have been lost. They're gone. People's savings, everything they worked for, gone. 37.5% of small businesses in the U.S. have been lost. Uh, And then more than half of the businesses in leisure and hospitality were destroyed. So restaurants, hotels, uh, cruises, I don't know, you fill in the blanks, more than half of them have been destroyed by COVID, by COVID lockdowns. And then worse than that, yes, worse than that, is that female teen suicide attempts increased by, what, um, 51%, 51% higher than the same time frame in 2019 before the lockdowns. And so I'm going to talk, in fact, doctors have reported children, some as young as eight, intentionally running into traffic, overdosing on pills, self-harming amid the pandemic. A healthcare executive told Epoch Times in August last year that the mental health crisis is now an epidemic within a pandemic. And yet, Joe Biden and his team, Anthony Fauci, continue to encourage vaccinations in everyone. We're going to talk about that, especially in children, which is enraging, enraging, given what we know about what it does to them. And I'm going to talk about that in just a little bit. But there is other news. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is important. Uh, there's ha- something happening in Virginia uh, that I want you to know about. Uh, and first of all, let me just say that they are raging. You know, Virginia has been a purple for a while, and the left has been intent on taking it. They've done it through, you know, uh, taking northern Virginia and polluting the rest of the of the state, and they've gradually turned it. I guess you could say it's blue, but I think it's more purple. And the people of Virginia— as many of you are listening to me, are fighting back in a mighty way. And a lot of it is centering around what's happening in their schools. They are appalled at what's happening in their schools. And in fact, there's a Virginia mom, there's been lots of them, but I want to pick on on this one. She is uh, from China, and she grew up in Maoist China. She she grew up um, during the, uh, the revolution there. The Cultural Revolution, and she gave her testimony before school board in Loudoun County. And we could play that, but what I'm going to do instead is play her uh, a bit of her interaction with Tucker Carlson a few days ago. I want you to hear what she has to say, her observations about critical race theory and what she experienced under the Mao Cultural Revolution in China. Let's listen.
6: I just want to uh, uh, let the American people know that what's going on in our school and in our country is really a replay of the cultural revolution um, in China. And uh, I I want people to see there is similarities and the similarities are terrifying. They use the same uh, ideology and same methodology, even the same vocabulary and with the same goal. The uh, uh, ideology is uh, cultural Marxism. And uh, we were divided uh, into groups as uh, oppressor and oppressed. And here we use race, and there they use class. And uh, um, the the people here who have a different review were labeled racist. But uh, in the Cultural Revolution, the label is counter-revolutionary. So it is a hat that fits all, and once the hat is on your head. Your life is ruined, and the the tech, uh, uh, methodology is also very similar. It's cancel culture. We basically cancel the whole Chinese civilization pre-communism, and we changed our school names, street names, store names. We changed even our personal names. My name is Xi, and I was named after the city I was born, Xi'an. Xi means west. It also refers to the imperialism so I wanted so bad to change my name because I want to be more uh, communist I'm glad my parents convinced me not to and the vocabulary is even this uh, the same wokeness and uh, to be specific we used class wokeness in Chinese it's uh, it is Jieji uh, your level of uh, um, wokeness determines uh, your chance to get the promotion or to get benefit. And who decides your level of uh, wokeness? It is the party leaders. All right.
1: Uh, that's just a part of what uh, uh, Shivan Fleet had to say on Tucker Carlson. And of course, she testified before the school board. Uh, it's amazing to me. I know so many people, uh, such good friends who live in that part of Virginia and uh, they are experiencing a nightmare there. And many of you around the country are experiencing the same nightmare. In some ways, you know, critical race theory uh, is waking people up in a way that nothing else has. And so um, her, her words were eloquent. It's the same as the Chinese Cultural Revolution. We've been talking about that. But to hear it from someone who's lived through it has more impact. And so I wanted you to hear what she had to say. Now, for those of you in Virginia, please listen. And if you've got a pencil handy or a paper, whatever, uh, please listen, because I have something important to tell you. This Saturday will be the Virginia Freedom Festival in Centerville. Now, it's sponsored by 20 wonderful groups. Uh, and um, some one congressman is bringing his entire staff. Uh, WMAL is going to be there. Chris Plant will be there. Lots of other speakers. Let me see if I can find some of them here. David Clark, the former sheriff of Milwaukee. Uh, who's been on this show before, great guy. Pierre Wilson, the national Direct- director of Blexit, that's blacks uh, exiting the, the, the Democratic Party. C.L. Bryant, who's a senior fellow at FreedomWorks. Uh, Brenda Tillett, who's the president of Stand Up Virginia. There are a lot of groups working together on this. Again, it's going to be this Saturday from 2 to 5 at Centerville. Uh, let me see. What else do I need to tell you? Um Uh, Let me just read what they say. There will be music, food for purchase from Red Hot and Blue, an incredible group of vendors, and fellowship with liberty-loving Virginians. Virginians, you don't want to wait to the last minute. Avoid lines next Saturday and register now. We're going to put this on our Facebook page so that you can register. Uh, Let's see. Uh, I just, okay, it's uh, sponsored by groups like... um, Priests for Life, Concerned Women for America, the Leadership Institute, Americans for Limited Government. All these people are my friends. Virginia Family Foundation. I'm proud to say that. I'm not bragging. I- I'm really not. I'm just proud of them. Uh, uh, Virginia Family Foundation down in Richmond. Uh, Freedom Works, uh, Blexit, uh, Gun Owners of America. Those are good friends. Tea Party Patriots. Uh, there's a lot of other people involved, but they're joining together because they're fighting back in Virginia. A lot of them are also criti- uh, Parents Against Critical Race Theory. Uh, they're joining in this, too. They're one of the major sponsors. And so if you're in Virginia, put it on your calendar. It's 2 to 5 in Centerville, and we will put the information on our Facebook page so that you can find out. Uh, it's called the Virginia Freedom Festival. If something falls through with that, you can find it, God willing, you can find it somewhere. Virginia Freedom Festival. I will try to mention that again um, for the next few days, but uh, but don't count on that. <laughs> I remember my, uh, my uh, oh boy, this reminds me of my English teacher, Miss Cook, when I was in high school. She would not repeat anything. She was a pistol, and she'd give us these long assignments, and she kind of lower her voice when she gave them. Read 20 pages, page 13 through 34. And then we go, Miss Cook, what did you say? What did you say? And she would not repeat it. So now I'm going to be Miss Cook. I might not repeat that. So I hope you'll remember it's this Saturday from 2 to 5 in Centerville, the Virginia Freedom Festival. I think you'll want to go, don't you? You can connect with like-minded people that are fighting back, and you can get involved too. Okay, so I'm going to take a break, and when we come back, well, there is so much news, and I'm going to try to get as much in as I possibly can. Uh, It's all serious stuff. Uh, But we will do it with good humor because we know uh, there's a God in control. I'll be right back.
2: The reality of abortion is changing. The abortion industry is targeting vulnerable women even earlier in their pregnancies than ever before.
5: Because of this change, we need to be there sooner. That's what ICU Mobile is all about. By showing a mother her baby by ultrasound on our mobile medical units right where she lives, we see four out of five women choose life.
2: There is a way to combat abortion right on the ground. Join us at ICU Mobile, the pioneer of mobile medical ministry. We go serve women, go save lives, and go share Christ right in the communities where abortion is happening at the greatest rates all across the country. Four of five women see their ultrasound in our mobile units and
0: choose life. Visit us now at icumobile.org to make a life-saving contribution. Or text LIVES to 45777. That's L-I-V-E-S to 45777.
2: Hello Americans, I'm Todd Starnes with Muse and Commentary next. Are you looking for a university that provides a quality Christian education with excellent academic and athletic programs? Well, I want to invite you to visit Liberty University where they offer multiple visiting opportunities to fit your schedule. Plan a visit to their Central Virginia campus and stay for an afternoon, a day, or an entire weekend. You can also take a virtual tour from the comfort of your own home. Plan your visit today by texting go visit to the number 495. 4959- Again, that's GO VISIT to the number 49596. The Michigan Attorney General wanted to arrest a defiant restaurant owner in an attempt to stop the owner from appearing on Fox News Channel. Attorney General Dana Nessel was furious because the owner of Marlena's Bistro and Pizzeria had refused to comply with China virus orders to shut down. The Mackinac Center for Public Policy obtained emails between Nessel and her staff demanding to know the woman's whereabouts, wondering if they could take her into custody before the TV segment. Marlena made national headlines with her open defiance of the government. She appeared on Tucker Carlson show on March 17th, and two days later, she was arrested. But even that was not good enough for Governor Whitmer's administration. The attorney general wanted the restaurant owner jailed for 93 days. That's the very definition of fascist tyranny. Ironically, Marlena escaped the communist in Poland and emigrated to America. Honestly, she would have been better off back in Poland. I'm Todd Stearns.
0: Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio.
3: Now, you might wonder why did the police, why were they ordered to move on protesters at that moment? Obviously, the president wanted a photo op.
5: I mean, for a photo op? To make way for a White House photo op.
3: Lafayette Square photo op. Uh, To clear out these protesters from Lafayette Park so the president could have this photo op. The president wanted peaceful protesters, the kind he said he just supports. He wanted them out of the way for his photo op. And
2: it was President Trump sending a message, a
3: message that he feels good about today, looking at these
2: images. He wanted to show that he could move Americans physically out of the way to do this photo op.
0: Send his administration's violent clearing of a peaceful protest for a photo op. Clear them out with uh, with gas uh, and, and go in there with batons.
3: Uh, And uh, they do so for the simple reason that the president wants to walk across Pennsylvania Avenue through Lafayette Park to go have a photo op. Even if it meant tear gassing peaceful protesters, hitting them with flashbangs, pepper spray and rubber bullets, somebody handed the president that Bible and then he stood there
0: and that was it. That was the photo op. The force was used, as I said the day before, to clear the president's way to St. John's Church for that photo op.
2: There is 100% zero correlation between our operation and the president's visit to the church.
0: Tonight, a jarring new report on that incident. The Interior Department's inspector general says the park police did not clear Lafayette Park for then President Trump's trip to St. John's Church, but did it to allow a contractor to install a security fence around the White House.
1: All right, we played that for you yesterday, and that happened uh, last week, I think, that the truth came out. The truth came out that President Trump did not march across to Lafayette Square for a photo op and, uh, you know, authorize the police to tear gas protesters. That was just such an incredible lie, one of the many that we have been told while he was president. But now I want to read a little bit of something to supplement that by Molly Hemingway. Uh, Molly has done some research on this, and, and please just stay bear with me because this she's added so much interesting information. And we need to know, you know, I, I find myself dismissing all the things that we're finding out now because there's just so much information, but I want to mark it. It's kind of like marking it in your mind why that was such a major lie. How dare they? And this is really what happened. Um Molly points out that for more than a year, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser allowed President Donald Trump to take the blame for what her police forces had done. And I'm going to just read this because you'll see that it's not just a mild standing by, not saying anything, it's an active an active participation in crucifying the president over something that she herself was responsible for. Molly writes The first speaker, former actress Eva Longoria, introduced at the DNC convention in August of 2020 was Muriel Bowser, the Democratic mayor of Washington, D.C. Longoria refer- referenced the clearing of a street in front of the White House earlier that summer, an operation the media had repeatedly falsely characterized as the violent removal of peaceful protesters with tear gas for the sole purpose of a photo op for President Donald Trump. And um, this is the quote from Longoria, Longoria. When peaceful protesters were tear gassed across from the White House, our next speaker stood up, stood strong, and turned that place into the Black Lives Matter plaza in their honor. Please welcome Mayor Muriel Bowser, she said. Amazingly, new reports confirm it was Bowser, was Bowser, Mayor Bowser, not Trump, who tear-gassed the protesters a few blocks away from the White House on the evening in question, that the protests had repeatedly devolved into violence and arson, and that the clearing was done for major security concerns and not a photo opportunity. For more than a year, Bowser allowed Trump to take the blame for what her police forces had done. In her nationally broadcast speech— Bowser inaccurately called the violent riots marked by widespread looting, arson of historic buildings, arson of White House buildings, and assaults on scores of police officers as safe and peaceful. Then she blamed Trump for her own police forces teargassing her protesters. This is what she said. While we were peacefully protesting, Donald Trump was plotting. He stood in front of one of our most treasured houses of worship and held a Bible for a photo op. He sent troops and camouflage into our streets. He sent tear gas into the air and federal helicopters, too. I knew if he did this in D.C., he would do it to your city or town, and that's when I said, enough. But it was her who did that, not President Trump. For what it's worth, the Metropolitan Police Department, Bowser Overseas, claimed it gassed rioters who had injured cops by throwing an incendiary device at them. The reports came more than a year after the corporate press, other Democrats, and even some anti-Trump Republicans had filled news cycles with outrage over Trump allegedly tear-gassing peaceful protesters for a photo op. It, and Joe Biden, this is what Joe Biden tweeted. He's using the American military against the American people. He tear gassed peaceful protesters and fired rubber bullets for a photo. For our children, for the very soul of our country, we must defeat him. But I mean it when I say this. We can only do it together. Come on, man. Ah uh, yeah, a lie, one of the many, told by Joe Biden, but you know, who la who the press lavished praise on it just. It really is shocking. It's so disgusting as you read this stuff. It really is. Uh, There's more to this story. Let me go on because it had other implications. Remember that the, let's see, uh, Bowser went on to demand that there be no federal law enforcement or military presence in her city. Uh, She received accolades and prominent attention for her role in perpetuating the false claim that Trump, not her own police, had tear gas protesters. And then that played a role, Molly says, in the breakdown further of law and order. One day before a mob of Trump supporters breached the U.S. Capitol, Bowser emphasized in a letter to the Department of Justice that she was in control of the situation and did not want assistance from federal law enforcement. And then um, there was a kind of a, let's see, she wrote a letter to the, uh, the the chiefs at the Pentagon and told them she didn't want their help. A Senate report on the policing failures on the day of the riot. And remember, when we talked about that, uh, I, I'm not even calling it a riot. I, I just, and I'll tell you why in a second. I, I don't believe that the Trump supporters who went in there went in there to riot. I just don't believe it. I'm sorry. So so hang me. So arrest me. I'm not sure, you know, in this day and age what you can really say. But I say what I think because I think it's important because innocent people are in jail still. And I, that, that just makes me furious. How dare the FBI say what they're saying? In fact, I'm going to diverge from Molly's article and tell you that I saw uh, probably 10, 12 seconds of a video that's not been released. Oh, it hasn't been released. Uh, Somehow nobody's seen this or spoken about it. It's people about, I'm guessing, about 10 or 12 of them clad in all black with military gear. Climbing into the basement, it looks like the basement, of the Capitol. It's caught on the camera of Capitol Police. Uh, it's caught on their cameras. And they're, they're breaking in with tactical gear, their faces covered, uh, and they've got all kinds of uh, equipment, shall we say, stuff they're going to use. Uh, but I don't think that any of us, uh, we've not seen that video before. We're going to put that on our Facebook page and you can look at it for yourself. I don't think that the, the uh, FBI's mentioned those black-clad people. They didn't really look like people that were there listening to President Trump. I didn't see anyone dressed uh, all in black uh, with, uh, you know, carrying military gear at that rally. Uh, but they were there. In fact, they were ready to breach the Capitol, you know, we've told you this before, uh, before President Trump was even finished talking. So that's another big lie, and it just um, I want you to see that video, so hopefully you'll tune into that. So meanwhile... Bowser's telling uh, the Pentagon she doesn't want them to step in uh, on January 6. "I've got this. You know don't, We don't want military in our streets, so you know, stay back. So we've got um, Secretary of Defense Chris Miller, and Army, Secretary of the Army, Ryan McCarthy, kind of kibbutzing over this, and a Senate report. Uh, on the policing failures on the day of the riot at the U.S. Capitol, specifically cited pu- public pushback against military and federal law enforcement's role in quelling riots in the summer of 2020. The Army had previously noted that considerable scrutiny it had received for flying medical evacuation helicopters near crowds of protesters. According to an Army report following the June riot response to in D.C., Secretary of Defense Mark Esper and McCarthy, again Secretary of the Army, determined that any future requests from civil authorities for D.C. National Guard support during planned protests required thorough scrutiny by both of them to ensure that the use of the National Guard was necessary, and if so, the mission was narrowly tailored and appropriate for military forces. Talk about politically correct, worried to death, they're going to get a mean tweet, and so they didn't send in forces, they did not help, and Uh, What I started to say earlier was that when we did our first show on what happened on January 6th, which was just maybe a day or two after it happened, uh, many of you called and you said repeatedly that you didn't see police. There were no police. You couldn't believe that the Capitol was so unguarded and the few that you did see seemed in disarray and unprepared and disorganized. Why do you think that was? This is exactly why it was. The president had asked for National Guard troops to go in, but no, they didn't do it because they might have gotten mean tweets and they... You know They didn't want to be criticized, and certainly Esper was not down with President Trump. And remember, what was his name? Uh, one of the generals that went with the president across the plaza when he held up the Bible in front of St. John's because it had been burned and Trump was being defiant, basically. It, I think President Trump in his own way, this is how I took it, the time that it happened. He was just showing people that this, this will, no matter what you do, God will be. God, this is his word, and you cannot destroy it. I think that's what he was really trying to say, but the media distorted the whole thing. And uh, the general, who's whatever his name, I can't think of his name, is a big burly-looking guy. You've seen him. You know who he is. Um, chief of Staff uh, was just appalled. He came out and criticized the president. No Chief of Army, uh, Chief of Staff, not Army, but uh, Joint Chief of Staff Chairman has ever done anything like that against his commander and chief. Uh, It was shocking. They were embarrassed. Oh, my goodness. They were embarrassed. They fell for the whole thing hook, line, and sinker, and uh, they did their own damage. So then there's further. A couple more things from Molly here. Another issue that stopped any kind of uh, help from police, from National Guard, from the military, was a letter orchestrated by Liz Cheney, House Conference Chair. She got 10 living former defense secretaries involved in a letter, uh, including her dad, Dick Cheney. Uh, titled, uh, Ten Living Former Defense Secretaries Involving the Military in Election Disputes Would Cross into Dangerous Territory. And so because of that, the Pentagon was freaking out, and they decided they would ignore the president and not send in any kind of National Guard as a preventive measure on that day, January 6th. So they didn't do it. It's amazing. It's uh, amazing. But you needed to know that. We'll put this on our Facebook page. It's an article in the Federalist uh, by Molly, Molly Hemingway called um, flashback. D.C. mayor honored, <clears throat> excuse me, a DNC for riot response. <clears throat> new reports reveal she, not Trump, tear guest protesters. All right, so that's that. And then uh, I, I told you already about that little video, the new video released uh, by other people, not the Capitol Police, on what happened in the Capitol on January 6th. It's just shocking. It really is. And last night, uh, Ashley Babbitt's husband was on with Tucker Carlson, and uh, they are demanding with the, the attorney that the Capitol Police identify the officer who shot her, and killed her, in cold blood. Really, uh, he has not been named. Uh, they they have uh, they've just dropped all charges against him. They think it's a, an officer that was had left a loaded handgun in a public men's room inside the Capitol building. I don't know why they think that, but that was part of the discussion. And uh, so they're trying to get the information on that, and they should have the information on that, and he should be known. Uh, so that's that's what's happening with that, the update on... And then, this is kind of amusing, uh, a New Hampshire man who was charged with his role in the January 6th riot in the Capitol says he's running for Congress. He's going to challenge Representative Ann Custer, who is a Democrat in New Hampshire. And uh, so, uh, and I'll tell you what he did. He was charged... Look, look this is not right, but... This is not somebody dressed in black breaking in with tactical de- gear in the lower parts of the Capitol. This is a guy who went in. Uh, he drank a bottle of wine that he found in the senator's office, and so he's charged with violent entry, disorderly conduct, and a theft of government property. And certainly, I mean, those are justifiable charges. But it's uh its just uh, this is kind of typical of some of the guys that went in. They did silly things. They did goofy things, uh, but they were not insurrectionists. There may be some exceptions. I could be wrong. You know, maybe there were some Trump insurrectionists, but I sort of don't think so. I sort of don't think so. I think they wanted a fair count in the Capitol. They wanted a fair tally of the electoral votes, and they wanted to make sure that the election was scrutinized, and that's why they were there. And uh, so anyway, one last thing. Uh, You may or may not have heard this. The New York Times actually broke this, yes, no, it was two days ago on Sunday. The New York Times, uh, this is not their headline, but this is what they reported. The New York Times reports that Andrew Weissman, now he was the head of Robert Mueller's special uh, counsel committee, uh, that Andrew Weissman and Robert Mueller sought, then hid, special counsel surveillance of Trump White House attorney Don McGahn. You read further in the article and you find out that Apple turned over data on. Now, Donald McGahn had not done any crime. They didn't suspect him of any crime. They were just trying to survey. It looks as though. They were trying to find out information on Donald Trump. So they surveilled, with the help of Apple, uh, Don McGahn and his family, his wife and their phones, all of their private conversations. You, do, you, do you understand that that can't happen unless you are suspected of some crime? You get an indictment, a court authorizes that? You don't. The, the authorities in our country do not have the freedom to just pick up any private citizen's uh, private information on their phone, their texts, their emails, everything about them. They they don't have that right unless you are suspected of a crime and a court gives permission. And yet that's what they were doing. And so that's one of the late, and Don McGahn, you know, I, I, it was the chief counsel for a long time. It's just despicable what they have done. It is despicable what they have done. And it makes it very, very hard uh, to respect the current president, especially when he continues to behave the way he is. Um, and uh, when we see continued destruction in this country, it's a very hard pill to swallow. And um, and yet again, as I said before, after the election, I do feel that God spoke. We ask, we ask that Trump would be reelected because we felt his policies were helping this country and preserving family and life and. Uh, that We wanted that, but God said no. So this is what we have, and now we have to think clearly about what we need to do. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.
0: In His image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality.
4: I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up.
3: The testimonies were very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in
0: Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net.
5: Hi, this is Dan Celia from Financial Issues. We as God's people need to be good stewards of all that He has given us. That is so important, and that's what drives me each day as I break down the latest financial numbers and talk to listeners across the country about their use of the money that God has entrusted to them. Join me each morning from 8 to 10 Central and Saturday mornings at 10 o'clock Central Time for Financial Issues right here on American Family Radio. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Ji Van Fleet, a Virginia mom who survived Mao Zedong's cultural revolution before immigrating to the U.S., warned the Loudoun County School Board and all of America. She said, to me and a lot of Chinese, it is heartbreaking that we escaped communism, and now we experience communism here. The communist regime used the same critical race theory to divide people. The only difference is they used class instead of race. Make no mistake, what we are experiencing now is the application of cultural Marxism to our American context. We would be wise to heed Z. Van Fleet's warning. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central
0: for The Hamilton Corner. Or visit the podcast page at AFR.net. For more, from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Proverbs says, many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Brian Fisher here with an excerpt from the Boy to Man book for fathers to read with their 12-year-old sons. Quote, sometimes when God closes a door, it slams on your foot and it can hurt. But God uses closed doors to tell us it's time for a change. I could never have foreseen or predicted the path that my life has taken. One of my mentors told me life must be lived forward but can only be understood backward. You often cannot see what God is doing when he is in the middle of doing it. That's why we must trust God with every day of our lives. Solomon is exactly right when he says a man's steps are from the Lord. How then can man understand his way? This might be the day to order a copy of the Boy to Man book for a father you know at resources.afa.net. Catch Brian Fisher on Focal Point, weekday afternoons at 105 Central on American Family Radio.
4: This is Frank Gaffney with the Secure Freedom Minute. The fall from power yesterday of longtime Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu calls to mind the thankless banishment of Winston Churchill when he was delivering Britain from the scourge of Nazism at World War II's end. At least in Churchill's case, it came as a period of acute national peril was receding. Today, the dangers to the Jewish state are, if anything, intensifying. The Biden administration has helped transform what was, just six months ago, one of the most promising geostrategic environments for the free world's outpost in the Middle East into one fraught with emboldened enemies, undermined allies, and strained bilateral relations with Washington. And unlike Churchill, Bibi Netanyahu was not decisively defeated at the polls, but by an improbable and unsustainable parliamentary coalition. He may well soon be back in charge which would be good for Israel and for America. This is Frank Gaffney.
0: Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at sandy at AFR.net. That's sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. No, it's amazing because we were talking
5: about how important it was for everyone to get vaccinated and what a big deal it was to get vaccinated so I thought that was all built in already but getting that shot really was an Doesn't amazing it? feeling it it, it it hits you did it, you cry it, 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 <laughs> I, 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 I cry at, you know I cry at movies I didn't cry at the at the at the shot but you know it was a moment where where you realize okay this is it and it wasn't so much because I felt that I'm at high risk because we're being careful and I'm healthy and I'm young and all that. But at the same time, it's knowing that each of us doing our part is getting through this because we don't get through this unless the vast majority of the population gets that first shot and then a few months later gets that second shot. That's how we get through it. And it's something that everyone can do. And we're just seeing Canadians come out in such strong numbers all across the country to say, yeah, I want this COVID thing to end. I want to get back to normal. And the way to do that is to make sure everyone, even that crusty old uncle who resists mm-hmm. or that friend who's skeptical, encourage them, convince them, uh, tell them that they need to get uh, get vaccinated because this is how we get through it.
1: Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Really, really, this is how we get through, or we pretend uh, like he's doing. That's Justin Trudeau, Premier of Canada, Prime Minister of Canada. Canada. We see him at the G7 summit <laughs> posing publicly as though he's uh, taking all these precautions but privately not doing so much, having a really good time. It's, and then Canada is one of the worst offenders, in the offender from my definition, of restricting people and locking them down. And uh, punishing people coming in and out of the country in unbelievable ways, forcing their children to get vaccinated. Oh, so yeah, that crusty, I'd be, I'm the crusty old aunt who's resisting, okay? So I'm the crusty old aunt. And I wanna to talk to you a little bit about this whole business of children being vaccinated. I think we have to pe- speak, I personally feel the burden to speak very carefully to you about these things. Um, I have never said that adults should not get vaccinated. I have challenged you to think very carefully about it. I've told you that my husband and I have chosen not to do this uh, because we don't feel that there's much risk, uh, and uh, we think that the risk of the shots are much greater, and that's uh, our assessment for our own lives. Uh, I, that doesn't mean the shots are not effective in some cases uh, to prevent COVID, but we are so uncertain about what the shot, uh, effect of the shots later is going to be because it is experimental. It is. And when you take it, you sign a release that you can't, if you somehow, something goes very badly for you, either a disability or a heart problem or blood clots or whatever and disables you or kills you, there is no recourse. There's nothing to support your family. You can't go after a drug company. You can't go after someone who misapplied the vaccine. You release all responsibility and you take it all on. And if something happens to you, well, it's just tough. Uh, so you got to remember that when you go and take that, that's just part of what's happening here. And if you're afraid of COVID to the degree that you want to take that chance, then you should do it. And um, uh, but uh, but when it comes to children, I'm not so uh, I'm not so Switzerland. I'm not so Switzerland about children. And I want to talk to you about it because I know you've been hearing things while I've been gone. A lot of things have been uh, coming out, and so I want to do my very best to give you. What I think the high points are with resources so that you can read them and share them. Uh, this is, uh, first of all, I want to play this clip of uh, Dr. Um, uh, Marty Makari. He's from Johns Hopkins. Uh, and uh, he has a lot to say about what's happening with children and also with the behavior of the CDC. Let's listen
3: were not um, broadcast by the cdc and the media did not cover was that no child in that entire study died of covid number one and number two the hospitalization rate was lower for covid than it was of influenza the cdc sits on a lot of data and by the way why are we getting this data from february now in june again with the heart swelling complications of over 300 kids they had that data now for three weeks. They announced it last Wednesday. They're having their emergency meeting about a week and a half later. Uh, they sit on a lot of data and they don't give the key data that tells us which kids are dying of COVID. If we had that data, we could target our strategy. It turns out that there's probably only been one child in the United States who ever, who's ever died of COVID. Who, had, uh, who was healthy, that is, did not have a comorbid condition. And we got data on Friday on suicide rates of 50% uh, earlier this year in February among teenage girls. We know why. We know why. Why are we getting February data now when it's not actionable? We should have got it in February. One of the greatest failures of the CDC and our medical leadership has been ignoring natural immunity. So they've been quiet when schools and colleges are issuing these vaccine mandates, doing the insanity of insisting on a vaccine to immunize those already immune. That's a lot of folks <laughs> right. that are already immune. And we see it with this kind of fanaticism. Now look, I support vaccines, but this—you know the way the CDC has been silent on these mandates, when they're not scientific, the data has accrued, even from the Cleveland Clinic this week, you don't add any benefit by vaccinating anyone. At least there's no data to support it. And again, with the variant fear, we're seeing another set of talking points on variant fear And instead, how about just give us the data of everyone who's sequenced with the Delta variant?
1: Yeah, so that's Dr. Marty Makari again of Johns Hopkins. Uh, There's a lot to say about this. Uh, He is saying that only one child that we know of in the United States in this entire pandemic has died of COVID. Uh, And the other children that they are attributing death uh, by COVID have other very serious medical problems. And they died with COVID, which is an insane thing we've talked about so often. The CDC themselves have admitted that only 6% of the, of the people they have claimed died of COVID really died of just COVID. The others had other things, like they had motorcycle accidents or they fell off ladders. No kidding. Somebody contacted me from uh, Cleveland or from the, the Ohio area to tell me, uh, try to tell me off the record that they knew about a case where a person fell off a ladder and died and they claimed it was COVID. Because, they, because when they tested him, he tested positive for COVID, but he died from falling off the ladder. These are the kinds of ridiculous things that have been happening really all over the world, and for why. And now I read this headline, Pfizer is beginning a COVID vaccine trial for children as young as six months. As young as six months. Let me give you some more information here as best I can. Okay. Um, uh, the, uh, the the doctor just now, Marty Macari, just told us that the CDC is withholding information. Well, duh. Remember the CDC, part of the CDC is like um, a Dr. Fauci, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the biggest liar on the planet, and I, if I have time, I'll say more about that, who stands to gain financially, has gained tremendously financially, and also like a little puffed up for a little dude uh, making the, on the covers of all kinds of magazines. Uh, he is corrupt, and so is the CDC. Uh, and so uh, these are the people who have been telling us what's what. And it's amazing, honestly, that we get any kind of good information from them. But I think there's probably a lot of people working in that agency who are very good medical professionals. And somehow uh, some of this stuff manages to surface to the top. Um, and so, so okay, I'm not going to read any more about that. I think you get the point. But here, I want to get to this. Uh, the, uh, Tucker Carlson had a really interesting uh, report a couple of days ago. And he highlights, you know, we talked a lot about Israel yesterday. In fact, uh, our reporter who talked to us about Bibi Netanyahu's defeat mentioned that Netanyahu had uh, put in place a program to vaccinate all of Israel and they had not had to shut down and they had a remarkable experience with that. But the, here's the problem uh, um, they thought that it was necessary to vaccine, uh, vaccinate young people because they didn't want, uh, they wanted students to be able to sit in person for exams. And so the schools mandated the shot, and the kids got it. So what happened next? Well, Israeli health officials released a report showing that vaccinated young people, particularly young men, were developing a potentially fatal complication, a heart inflammation called myocarditis. And they were developing it at extremely high rates. Researchers determined that the incidence of myocarditis in vaccinated young men was fully 25 times the usual rate. Some of them died. In Canada, at least one public health official observed the same thing. Dr. Peter Liu is the chief scientific officer at the University of Ottawa Heart Institute and an expert in myocarditis. Liu began to notice heart inflammation in patients who received the vaccine. And he said, it's more than coincidental. In Germany, authorities concluded the same thing. The German government just announced that healthy young people should avoid the vaccine because it's too dangerous. Could I just interject here? here. Not here. Here we're telling our children they must be vaccinated. Our president is telling them that his COVID experts, Dr. Fauci and others, are telling, "Oh, you've got to get your children vaccinated." This, this to me, I'm telling you, I don't know how you can say that. There's nothing short of this is this is like Nazi-like. Why would you do that? Why would you force children, knowing that there will be this inordinate amount? of illness that would come from it when there's hardly any cases. One confirmed case of COVID, a COVID death by a child in the United States during this whole period. Uh, I really, I just, I am, uh, uh, doesn't matter how I am. And I can continue to tell you this. So um, the, the, this afternoon, and this is dated, uh, what's this? uh, This, this is just a few days ago. Sorry, I think it was on Sunday. Um. And the CDC is just now getting around to sort of uh, saying there might be some dangerous side effects in their meeting. I don't know if they've had this meeting yet or not. I've heard about it a couple of times. You know, Biden, the Biden administration has an adverse reaction reporting system. It's called the VARS. It's the Vaccine Adverse Reporting System. I have read that it very, it underreports uh, adverse uh, reactions by multiple digits. Uh, but even so, it's showing that there is a, there is a lot of harm that's being done. And it's a preventable disaster. I want to go back to this article. This is from Fox. In fact, in just the last week, many American colleges and universities have announced they'll require proof of vaccination before they allow students to return to campus. At some schools, the mandate applies only to students. For reasons no one has explained or could possibly defend, it does not apply to faculty and staff. They're not required to be vaccinated. As for the huge number of young people who have already recovered from covid they will be required to get the shot, too. And those are huge numbers, close to 20 million college students in this country. In the end, most will have no choice but to take the drug um, that other governments have concluded is too dangerous for them to take. So, um, let's see. Yesterday, Virginia State, and that must be last Saturday or Friday, Virginia State University system announced that the vaccine exemptions will be nearly impossible to get. An exemption, quote, will not be granted based on philosophical, moral, or conscientious objection, end quote. Your conscience is irrelevant. So the FDA's advisory panel met to discuss the rise in cardiac emergencies in healthy young people. So far, the rate of myocarditis is t- more than twice what authorities anticipated. As one Tufts medical school professor who sits on the panel put it, before we start vaccinating millions of adolescents and children, it's so important to find out what the consequences are. Could I point out at this point that the vaccine, which is experimental for everyone, was not tested on, on, on sick people. It was not tested on the elderly. It was not tested on children. It was not tested on fertile or uh, pregnant women. No tests. It was, it, so it's a very limited sample. We don't know the effects of these vaccines on that, those groups of people. So Joe Biden um, basically promised, I'm gonna, I could read this, but I don't want to waste my time, at the end of a statement he said, "I promise you, they are safe. They are safe." Hey man, come on, man. Joe Biden says it's safe, so you should vaccinate your children. You choose, you know, who you want to trust. I'm not trusting that man, and I'm not trusting his administration. I'm not trusting Tony Fauci. I'm not trusting, trusting Pfizer, who are wanting to a trial for children as young as six months. You want to volunteer your baby? Go ahead. Give them a call. I'm sure they'd be glad to have your baby come in so they can vaccinate it. This is, this is disturbing. This is disturbing beyond measure. And so um, let me just give you some numbers here. This is the VAR system, the one that I told you under reports, but here's what they report. Between July 1st of 1997 and the end of 2013, that's 15 and a half years, there were 2,149 deaths reported in the U.S. for all vaccines combined. So that's everything, you know, smallpox, it's polio, it's everything. There were in 15 years, 2,149 deaths. In just six months, that's the last six months, there have been more than 5,160 deaths associated with the COVID vaccine. That's more than double the deaths in less than a tenth of the time. What does that mean and how do you explain it? All right, I'm going to put uh, this article, uh, it is from Fox, it's Tucker's, uh, you can watch Tucker's uh, delivery of it also. Uh, Young people are being forced to get COVID vaccine, but it may harm them more than COVID. Uh, There's a lot more to say. A study came out, I'm sure you saw this last week, the hydroxychloroquine uh, increased survival rate of people who had coronavirus by almost three times. And yet we were told that it was dangerous even though it had been prescribed to people since, what, 1956, without harm, even to children. For whatever reason, they did not want you to have the right medications. Have a good friend, she's probably listening this morning, who suffered for weeks from COVID. She's in that dangerous age, and they wouldn't give her anything. Okay, so there you go. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.
0: The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast